Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm Tom and I'm here with Chris. Hello. And Stu. Hello. And we are going to talk Australia for the first time in a number of years. Yay. I love the way like we come crashing into these podcasts sometimes. It's <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the best way, best way to do it. Just dive in. Deep dive. Um, how do we feel about a return to Australia and some track changes generally, gentlemen? Good. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. I'm sure most of the people not in Europe that listen to this will be sick of hearing it, but for us it was like kind of a nice novelty getting up early to watch a race. Like we've not had to do that for a few years. And I know for some people that's just like every weekend as F1 fans. But yeah, there was a weird novelty to it, I thought. Mm, Yeah, I mean, it depends on sort of which session you're getting up for, wouldn't it? You're getting up for... for, I I doubt you got up for final practice, Chris. I didn't even get up for qualifying, Stu. I got up for the race and that was it. Yeah, I was up... About so Chris, an... <laughs> sorry. So Chris's take up on this is: it's nice having to get up early for a race for a change, <laughs> yeah. but then didn't do it. <laughs> didn't actually do it. Well, he got well, up for the race, but that the was race, it. Didn't yeah. get up had, for the rest of it. Had I not had a drink or two on Friday night, I would have made <laughs> qualifying. But um, yeah, how yeah. dare you? How dare you? Come on here. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even and watch it. Vomiting this trash. From your mouth, you disgust me, Chris. Move. Let's move on. Move let's on. Let's move quickly. Let's on. Move on. Let's just move on. I wait for Chris to move on. <laughs> um, oh, you waiting for me to do it? Yeah, I, I mean, don't the, know. The, uh, I don't well, know. I'll, I'll, well, let's carry on. The, the the getting up thing was not fun. I don't, I don't, I don't know how anyone outside of Europe does the getting up no. thing to watch Formula 1 because it's, especially the practice sessions, why would you? Like, quality obviously and race, yeah, I, I, I get it but I think you do have to be like a super super dedicated fan to actually get up and watch them live I could totally watch them like you know highlights or rerun or just you know, as live later but I think that's how probably most people do but um, yeah, getting it, I found getting up for these uh, very very difficult, and I especially found work very very difficult for these <laughs> ones because just the, these shifts are just brutal, man. Like on the people yeah. that live in the UK and are working on these races, like oh my god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so I have you can like see why it's all they talked about on Twitter, all the like the F1 media <laughs> people because they they haven't experienced it for a while, no. and yes, my goodness, it is very 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 difficult. I'm still recovering, but it was a good good. Uh, Good qualifying session, a good race though, so mm-hmm. you know, can't complain about those. No, race definitely training. not. Um, the track changes I thought were, I don't know, I, I didn't like sit there thinking, wow, aren't these track changes brilliant? But I also didn't sit there thinking, I missed the old layout. I don't think it, it didn't really seem to add or take away all that much for Ooh, me. I don't especially, know. Especially without the DRS zone that they just kind of took away last minute. I think if that had stayed, it might have been a bit different. Um, I'm glad they got rid of that. I think it was already like too powerful. DRS, yeah, yeah, yeah it was. So was sort of like with that extra, feared. with that extra zone that they had. Because so that basically, my only objection to it was that they got rid of it literally like ten minutes before practice three, and no, no one had a setup for it. 
because mm-hmm. obviously everyone set their cars up during the previous yeah. two qualifying sessions, uh, practice sessions, yeah. to to take that into account and to think. So suddenly you've got everyone thinking, "Oh God, I've got too much wing on now," kind of thing, because they're expecting to, you know, be able to have lots of wings so they could use DRS down and make mm-hmm. their own DRS more powerful. So that was a bit sort of funky I think the way they did that they could have sort of, they probably could have established that DRS was going to be too powerful after one practice session don't know why it took two and then an overnight sleep yeah. to, to figure that one out um, but I do think I think the track changes have sort of made it a more interesting circuit I've, I never ever liked that um, sort of Mickey Mouse chicane before uh, the it wasn't the, the turn, best the, the long curve of leading into turns 9 and 10 yeah it, it just it felt a little bit forced to have a chicane there and it's like hmm. why have that there when you can you know create an overtaking opportunity by just having that straight and it's it's not as though it's not as though they can't manipulate that track in any way because it's a you know it's a pretty easy area to, yeah. to move around so um yeah I'm, I'm glad they made the changes i'm glad nine and ten were less tight as well and more mm-hmm. of a um sort of less of a breaking zone um, yeah. There was still like moves made down the straight. It's it's really changed the dynamic of that whole like sector one into sector two area of track. Um, so I think it's a whole it's a different beast this track to what it was before as a result of these changes. And I think that's really good. I think it, change is good. And, uh, and I, I think, think when you've got these new cars as well taking advantage of that, then I think that's also helpful. So Chris, uh, Tom. Yeah, I think that by removing the zone that they removed, they solved the the essentially the problem that I thought was going to occur and it gave us the right balance of what you needed into turns 9 and 10 because it wasn't like a proper breaking point but people proved that you could turn it into a place to make a move given the right circumstances Mm -hmm. but I think if it had had double DRS going into there you'd have had people like doing the overtake as they go down Lakeside Drive or which which I can't remember what exactly it's called something like that but They've been doing the move before turns nine and ten, which which was always my concern. So I made the decision a little bit late, like you said, but I'm glad that they did because it fixed what would have probably ruined something that would have probably ruined the race overall for a fair. Possibly, it's part. a possibility. Yeah, yeah. But there were, you know, there were moves made on yeah, merit but, down that mm, down the straight, and that, so. that's that's what we've achieved by taking the DRS zone away. Yeah. I think it's it's let those moves be more on merit or like into the into the entry point of turn nine and, and sort of having to make it stick because we saw people getting themselves in a position at turn nine and then either having to back out, making a mistake or ultimately pulling off the move and that's what you want really. You want yeah, like a exactly. risk and reward factor in it, not totally. just open DRS and you are passed yeah. going into a breaking yeah. zone. And I, and I think that that's what I liked about turn nine was that mm. it 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 still punished mistake yeah. if you outbreak yourself into that corner even though it's a very fast corner and so is 10 if you make mistakes into those corners you are get, either getting beached in the gravel or you run across the grass and, and losing positions because it's yeah. such a fast bit of track we saw. yeah it, it created some of the more interesting flashpoints throughout mm. the entire race throughout Definitely. the whole weekend it, it made some of the more interesting so it was the most interesting area of track I think so oh yeah definitely yeah, um, huge success I would say it's a massive success what they've what the changes that, no, that's a fair point because yeah. as, as mighty as those corners have always been 
they were ne- like you saw the odd brave move into there, but they were few and far between and didn't come off very often. So yeah, that is a fair point that they have kind of made them more part of the where the actual racing happens and not just part of the circuit, which is always a good thing. Um, the the last thing I'll say on the track changes is it did make me laugh when they announced they were taking away that DRS zone and the FIA said it's for safety reasons and more than one person within the paddock were all going, you you were there in Jeddah, right? You have seen what that circuit was like. But, <laughs> yeah. but no, this is the safety line that you're drawing. Okay, fair enough, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, Chris, do you want to run us through like a bit of an overall race recap? I would love to. For the weekend. It's what Thanks. I'm here for. Um, let's, let's start with Charles Leclerc. Second win of the season. He's now more than a win clear at the top of the drivers. He's already got a bigger gap than anyone had at any point last season. Mm. Uh, it's his first ever Grand Slam pole win, fastest lap, led every lap. It's also the biggest margin there's been between pole and second place in qualifying this season. It all looked pretty straightforward for him, didn't it? Yeah. And the... Um... The ominous thing is, I believe that every driver who's earned a grand slam in a season goes on to win the title. <laughs> so that's an interesting stat. I, b- that I believe that's that's what stat. I read. Or or the first driver of every season to earn a grand slam. Yeah, I was gonna say, in, in that case, there's been a season where there's been more than one. Yeah, yeah, there must um, be. There must be because you've had competitive be, seasons where there's been like two drivers in one team or two drivers in two teams. Yeah. Must yeah. Have been. I suppose it depends on how you define the Grand Slam as well, because some people do define it differently, don't they? So, what yeah. do you, what, what what are we defining uh, the Grand Slam as in this instance? I couldn't tell you because it's a ESPN post that I saw. Uh, well, the, the, I would the, I would call it like a fastest in. He's, he's usually led every lap from pole with a fastest lap, and then potentially topped every session. But I don't know if he did. Nah. It's, it's not that it's, this this it's, version doesn't include the other sessions it's only pole yeah, win fast, uh, le- I, led every lap and fastest lap yeah, yeah I always I always well a grand slam to me is pole position fastest lap race win it's those three mm. yeah I have to lead every lap I think do you want to make it easier slam, nah. yeah I, I, I don't but again I don't, I don't clearly there's multiple definitions of it clearly yeah it looks, point looks proven anyway, anyway he did the hardest version of it by also leading every lap Um, yeah I mean it's all looking very good for him isn't it I mean obviously we'll get on to Red Bull's problems Signs started the weekend well but he just had lots of disruption there was a lot of electronics issues he had to change his steering wheel a few times including like minutes before the race died Um, qualifying he lost his first Q3 lap to a red flag then they had an issue which meant he came out late for his second lap so he was basically starting his last lap on cold tyres which is why he only qualified ninth then he had anti-stall at the start which again is probably part of these electronics issues they were having and then yeah made a mistake into turn 9 trying to pass uh, Joe on pretty cold tyres because he started on the hards punished pretty forgettable weekend for science so yeah like Leclerc like kind of doesn't have much competition right like it's very very early days but um, things are looking very good for him yeah I mean to yeah. be more than a race ahead of anyone 
and three. Uh, with three races in. And the nearest person to you, bearing in mind, is George Russell, yeah. who is in a in an uncompetitive Mercedes and is considered by a lot of people the number two driver of that yeah. team. Like he's the guy in second place in the in the championship. So. It's, but there's um, a long there, look. There's such a long way to oh, go. Oh yes. Oh, yeah, but this is the thing. I think it highlights how on form Leclerc is right now. Yeah, because the the gap that he has now um, to everyone else, including his teammate, just shows he's been on form every weekend so far. Max yeah. has been close to him. Carlos has been close to him. But and I mean, even Checo has been close to him occasionally. Mm. But nobody's been like consistently on him well and it's it, it's a combination of things thing. isn't it it's a combination of him him coming into form finally and being on it um and it's a combination of him having a, a very reliable fast ferrari and yeah. then all the other teams just falling apart around them as well yeah. everyone else has had really bad luck compared to him, including his teammate but especially yeah. this weekend a terrible look verstappen's had shocking luck perez's had awful luck and mercedes are just but Mercedes are getting podiums when they've got absolutely no business getting podiums. Mm. Still, I don't know, like that they're clinging on somehow yeah, until they really get their are. new car. It's their, it's their classic reliability thing, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, you, the thing that you notice is the Red Bulls and the Mercs are kind of mixed in there, and the reason the Red Bulls don't have more points is because yes, they're quick, but they're not finishing races properly. Exactly. And then Mercedes exactly. is the other way around, like. They shouldn't be getting podiums and points, but they well, are clawing finish. them back because they're mm. finishing exactly and and overtaking yeah. these stricken Red Bulls. So yeah, it's I mean, there's Ferrari have got the perfect mixture of that, like you say, and yeah. it's just it's just an element of sort of timing and luck, I think, for science. Like it'll yeah. come for him. Yeah, yeah, I think totally, so. absolutely come. I think I I think it almost came for him at the last race in mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. I think he got a little bit unlucky there yeah um not to get not to get his pole lap because he looked much more switched on i thought in in the lead mm-hmm. up to that race than what leclerc did um but yeah leclerc was just untouchable wasn't he this race like he, he there was yeah there was no getting around it like he had a, he was he was absolutely switched on um and absolutely that is in the fastest car and he was he was the best driver on the on the field throughout the whole field mm-hmm. whole weekend, yeah so, i think yeah. Science got a little closer with that lap that got killed by the red flag, didn't he? And it yeah, maybe he would have leapfrogged him with that one. But, I mean, overall, Leclerc was, other than that one scenario, was like untouchable, like you say. I'd, I think the only like, blemish on impressive. his weekend was um, one pretty ropey safety car restart where he very nearly lost the yes. lead. Yeah. He, yeah. just, he just seemed to put the power down in the um, final corner and his front tyres just went... Nah, we'll just be understeering off into the wall, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, seeing how you've mentioned that, how do you both feel about the rule um, Ooh, stipulations oh, yeah. that have changed there? I have some really, I have lots of thoughts, actually. The quote-unquote Verstappen rule. Yeah, yeah. so, f- I mean, my first, so I welcome it, first of all, like, to talk about this specific rule. I think it's a, it's a good thing because you've already got, you, as, as a driver who's leading the race, you've already been massively, massively penalised just by the fact that there's a safety car. You've lo- you've yeah. worked hard to build that lead mm. and then you've lost it because something completely out of your hands has caused a safety car. Um, so 
obviously that's a, that puts as leader as leader of a race that puts you at a massive disadvantage as it as it always does. It did for Leclerc, it did for Hamilton last year, and I think when you've got a driver coming up alongside you and stopping you from putting your car where you want it to be in the optimum place on track, I think that's not right. You should you've already. You're already at a massive disadvantage. You shouldn't have someone blocking you from being in a position on track, which is yeah. what he's doing. There's no doubt yeah. about that. That's exactly what he's doing. He's causing problems for the driver ahead that shouldn't exist for them. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's a bit sad that a, a new a driver has come along who is pushing rules pushing the rule book to the extent that they have to make all these clarifications constantly to to uh, make the you know to make the rules more clear like he's obviously is it's like the sort of person who will find like the chink in the board game rule book and say oh no I can have that Not because actually. xyz yeah, kind of thing yeah they'll make their own sort of yeah, think stretching about, of the like, rules up Schumacher with the, the the whole reason there's a safety car line is what Schumacher used to do to people yeah when he was behind him like also that also sucks like stick within the spirit of the rules like everyone else is sticking to the spirit of the rules and he's come along and he's just obviously having to rewrite rules because he's not sticking to the spirit of them it's indecent the the rule is just don't pass the person there's there's nothing obviously not anymore it's more it's more specific than that but that's like that's just part of it like if there's if there's a rule that's there and there's room for interpretation yeah. in it. It's going to get interpreted, interpreted differently. Sure, but yeah, it's, it just seems to be one person doing this sort of thing all the time, and it's. I just think it's really uncool. Like, go, do, you know, do do the rule that everyone's can, doing. Don't make you don't don't stretch the rules to your own rule books to I try can see and, what to cause them to have to then I, change I, I, I the get, rule. I get that, but like the rules should have been written properly in the first. If they didn't they want people yeah, alongside yeah. them, the rules should have always been. You cannot pass the rear of the the leading car or the car ahead of you. Full stop. Mm. Like that should have always been a rule. But like yeah. the the rule has always been you cannot overtake the car until the safety car line. And obviously mm-hmm. that that changed and became the safety car line because of Schumacher and him essentially seeing an opportunity to overtake people because they were no longer they were essentially racing. That is what brought that rule in so regardless of where anyone else is it's it's at the race at the safety car line that you're allowed to overtake and that's essentially just pushing that boundary and i'm almost certain that if you went back over the years and watched safety car restarts there's not just verstappen that puts himself alongside someone in an attempt to get a good run down a straight i mean there's nobody done it so obvious as him but i'll get I'll bet, sorry, if you look up and down that field over the years since that rule's been as it is with the safety car line, so many people have put themselves in a position to be on it as soon as... I don't know, they, man. They I've, I've, I've I, never seen I, it before, I'm, like, to, that, you, to this extent. Look, honestly, you've not looked it. hard enough, thanks. I, I, I guarantee also, you I've seen it, and I've heard it brought up in commentary over the years multiple times. Well, I also definitely. don't think it's... I can't some, think of a particular time, though. I also don't think it's necessarily the smartest thing to do as a driver in second place. Like, sometimes it gives you an advantage, but, like, if you look at Bahrain, what he tried to do with Leclerc, Leclerc just squeezed him to the inside and Verstappen was left with, like, a really acute angle to take the final corner and Leclerc just flat out drove away. So it's not like it's just... uh, I mean, if it was a thing that worked every time for the driver in second place, everyone would do it every single time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's so definitely more. not like a, a cut and dry advantage thing, but it but, does totally make sense to just 
clear up the rules and like a safety car you should be in single file like that's yeah, yeah that's essentially it uh, but i think uh, uh, the wider the wider thing is like that you know there's lots of like kind of gentlemen's agreements within what within motorsport that have that have always been around that everyone just kind of sticks to and it feels to me like max verstappen's just throwing all that out the window and just then forget forget they, but then they should be rules. i'm not a gentleman most of the rules. greats have done that He's not yeah. the first to do it, and he went with the last. No, I know, but I, uh, it, it just stinks. I just don't like it. I just don't like <laughs> the. I, I don't like it when everyone's doing one thing and everyone's following a rule particular way, and someone else comes along and goes, "Actually, no, forget you guys. I'm going to do it my way." And if I think but, for something like the safety car, it's just kind of sucky. But if that was the en- entire sort of ethos of everybody in the sport, we wouldn't have had any of the car innovations that we've had over the decades think about like i don't know fan car f duct whatever i think that's different though that that's not like is it though because i was just reading a rule and going well within the letter of that law i can do this if i want to i think within the teams though with the design of the car like you kind of like you expect that because it's a it's a group of people all working together and it's lots and lots of minds working together to come to Mm. a particular conclusion whereas something like this i think you know you'd have to really like study the rule book really hard and it's, it's kind of like studying the rule and seeing what can i get away with how far out can i get my elbows and I, I just don't like it. Is it I, not? I mean, no yeah, but to me, it's like the, it's like the white it. line rule, though, on the edge of, on the circuit limits. Like for well, years, yeah, for thing. decades, we've had drivers going over the white line because, by the letter of the law, they technically can, and they've taken to put it a better way, they've taken the with it for for five <laughs> six years. Yeah, and then now somebody's come in but and they're said that doesn't matter though. They all could. They all could do what Verstappen's doing. Doesn't doesn't matter. Like by the letter of the law, you can do a certain thing, and then they've been strict on it. And because Max Verstappen is starting to make this like a thing, they're essentially saying it's not happening anymore. This is the rule. Like that's what they should have done with the white lines ten years ago. Essentially, is what they've done now is identify that someone's doing it and deal with it. So they've done it the right way. Like I'm not saying what he's doing is right, but there's so many other examples of people like pushing the boundaries of what is a rule and what isn't a rule that i think that it's it's unfair to single out what this like this incident as um you know max is unsporting or whatever because so many Mm. people have done so many things over the years that have led to new rules or changes to rules and i think that like this is just another incident of them good good rule change for the right reasons but like yeah it's i don't think it's fair singling out a single person for it but it's things like you know like brazil last year overtaking and gaining advantage and that kind of thing as well like does the rule does that rule not apply to max verstappen but it applies to everyone else what do you mean well that's because that was a and it is you know things like sort of it was leaving you talk about the white line like in uh where was it usa grand prix against raikkonen he like basically cut the corner expecting hoping to pushing the boundary of the rule hoping to get away with it didn't get away with it that time because there is a rule that you can't overtake off track and it was really unfortunate actually because he was like very super tight um and then brazil last year like he's sort of pushing drivers off the track and but not getting a penalty for it but and then again like 
pushing that rule like to the nth degree. But then we're getting into the and realm they have to of re- release a um, clarification to say people can't do that. But we get into the realm of inconsistent rule application there yeah, as well, which is like true. a whole other thing. I just think I think sometimes it just takes someone highlighting a really badly written rule before they'll get around to rewriting yeah. it, and yeah. like ultimately, it's good that it's. Well, it's like like a lot of the rule changes in recent months. The rule now says what it should have done all along, basically. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's yeah, the yeah. important thing. And that's thing. fair enough. Yeah, that is, that the, is the important thing. thing. You're right. You're right. It's just no, it's not that like... it takes. It's the same person who keeps causing them to have to rewrite. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like it shouldn't. Like for me, it doesn't matter who co- who causes the rule rewrite, who identifies it, or or whatever. As long as it is picked up on and it's dealt with, that's what's important. Yeah, yeah that's true. That is very true. Yeah. I can absolutely agree with you there. Um, right, I'm going to move this on. Oh, look, look he's uh, next to talk about. It's Verstappen. Well, it wasn't much of one, was it? I mean, he didn't seem pretty happy with the car all weekend. Um, it was sort of running a fairly comfortable second uh, until he then retired with what they suspect is a fuel leak. They say they don't think it's related to the fuel problems they had in Bahrain. But it's not good, is it? It's mm. um, that Red Bull seemed to have a very early two thousands McLaren sort of car, <laughs> where it's really, yeah. really fast right up until it stops working and never yeah. actually finishes a race. Uh, <laughs> as I said before, he's already forty six points off Leclerc, which is it's a big old gap. But again, it's very early days. I did see someone on the internet earlier today being like, "Oh, if if Verstappen now wins his title, it'll be the like." seventh biggest points comeback in F1 history it's like yeah but we've only had three races it's the longest season has ever been it's the most achievement generous point system has ever been yeah it's like wow yeah um Um, so interesting with uh, with Verstappen and uh, first of all like Christian Horner after the race like one of these drivers gets a podium and he's just miserable about it. Mm. Like even though, like yeah. you know, dude, like you, you've still got a decent result. Red Bull going to Red Bull. Yeah, um, and then an interesting thing on the radio. Um, Perez came on the radio after that had happened and said, um, "What happened to Max? What's going yeah. on?" Kind of thing. And the engineer said, um, "I found interesting." The engineer already this season. The engineer said. Um, that it doesn't apply to our car, which suggests mm. possibly that that car, Verstappen's car, had some sort of something fuel system, different, a different, weird comment, something then. different about it. It's a very strange comment, yeah. And no one really yeah. seems to have picked up on it. Um, but it could, to me, point towards them. Obviously, I mean, obviously, Verstappen's the number one driver there. He always has been and always will be, as long as he's there. But it's so early in the, and I guess like another reason is like it's early in the season so they can only get parts onto one car at a time because of manufacturing and stuff like that but it just shows you like where those parts are going and it probably shows you why Christian Horner was so disappointed that um, <laughs> he he didn't finish the race because you're putting the better bits on the number yeah. one driver's car and they're not doing the job for him yeah so it also just points to it being a problem that they just don't want to be publicly yeah. talking about yeah it's also true yeah yeah it's like it's a very easy it. way of saying let's not talk about this yeah. now yeah <laughs> no, now's not the time. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's, like... it's also it's also a confidence thing though as well. I think there's an element of that, like yeah. to to tell him that oh yeah, it was this sort of problem, whatever it might have been, it or or that he's got to look after the car. It suddenly like puts a dent in anything that he's doing. 
and he's potentially going to second guess something he's doing if he's told it's of a particular nature. So I think it's like a it's like a trifecta, isn't it? Like, don't want to talk about it publicly. Potential, mm. it wouldn't directly affect him anyway because of a difference in parts. But then also just like, it, it it's irrelevant. Just keep your head down and, you know, keep doing what you're doing because your race is what's important to you. Like, keep doing what you're doing. So I think there's probably an element of that to it. Yeah, as well. and he did drive another very good race, Perez. Uh, he yeah. was only only tenth off Verstappen in qualifying. Uh, lost a place to Hamilton at the start, but he retook that lap twenty four. Then he he was one of the losers under the safety car. He lost places to Russell and Alonso, but he got back ahead of both of those um, for his first podium of the season. Um, yeah. He's he's driving really well, Perez. I mean, he yeah. should have won last race. Yeah. Um, uh, Really solid podium this one. He's he's mm. doing exactly what Red Bull need him to do. Yeah, um, bringing him. I mean, bringing him points when he can. He's doing exactly what Charles Leclerc needs him to do, which is have terrible luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that Red Bull didn't have the pace to win that race, but like when Verstappen retired, Perez was there to pick up the pieces in second, which is yeah, yeah. very impressive. Perez so far this season. He's doing well. Uh, next talk about Mercedes um, they're only 10th part in qualifying Hamilton just ahead 5th and 6th uh, Hamilton had a lightning start just like threw up the inside to take 3rd yeah. but yeah. couldn't hold off Perez as we've said um, the McLarens looked faster than the Mercedes for the first sort of stint but not fast enough to get by them um, but then, yeah, safety car worked out really well for Russell, but not so good for Hamilton. Uh, Russell inherited third, which he lost to Perez, then got back after Verstappen retired. So that's uh, Russell's first podium for Mercedes. Um, which, as you said, oh, yeah. I'm going to say first legit podium as well. <laughs> yeah. <be> first <laughs> podium he's actually raced for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he gets a lot of stick for that or he did until this point in the pit lane as well like other drivers sort of giving him crap about his first podium not counting and stuff <laughs> um, but yeah as you say he's second in the drivers standings now albeit 34 points adrift um, but I mean just just we've said it many times it's reliability that, that wins things in this game and they've got what the fourth fastest car would you say on balance so far mm. probably at this point I would I think based on qualifying probably the third fastest now I would yeah. say like, yeah maybe third um, I think they are like getting they do seem to be slowly slowly getting to grips with it race mm. by race as they collect the data and as they figure out sort of what the issues are on it and experiment with different setup options and things yeah. it, did like, look, it did look didn't look as bad this week a lot less of a handful wasn't it Mm. Mm. I, I, I mean, mean the, the interesting thing is them using your sensors during a full race like yeah, that, yeah. you know like running monitoring devices essentially during the yeah. race but I think that just shows how much they still need to understand to improve further yeah. um, about a kilo and a half extra weight Hamilton was running apparently yeah, with the sensors he had on during the race, which I've seen oh, lots yeah. of hardcore probably... Hamilton fans pointing out as an excuse for why he didn't beat Russell again, even though he was clearly only because of the safety car. So I don't know why they need an excuse, but there was yeah, well, yeah. it was purely they've got, safety car. They've got a better excuse, and they use that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, 
the the extra weight was probably helping Hamilton and his tie wear and things as well because ex- extra <laughs> yeah. weight helps porpoising. So, I mean, did you see the Ferrari during qualifying? Yeah, the yes. Ferrari. Signs in particular. Yeah, lead down towards turn nine. Oh my goodness, just bouncing up and down and yet they're still getting it stopped and still getting round that corner and, yeah. and setting fastest laps. Because it's, it's the mental. worst the Ferraris looked since testing, in, yeah. like to just yeah. watch it going by and yet it was, was yeah. still faster in qualifying compared yeah. to the others than it has been all season so far. So yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It, crazy, it crazy, makes crazy. you think if they do get those last niggling problems under control, like how quick is that car going to be? With an upgrade Which the, or two. Ferrari, the Ferrari, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it also makes you wonder if that car's porpoising like that, and Mercedes are saying porpoising is our problem, and then you see the Mercedes, the, the Ferrari doing it that way and still setting fastest laps. Then is porpoising really that yeah. big of a problem for a Formula One car? Yeah, it's not you know comfortable, but not necessarily. Yeah, Slow. I guess it de- uh, it's a very nuanced problem, isn't it? Like, yeah. it could be that it depends where and when and what speeds and what what kind of setups have. Yeah, I mean, maybe Ferrari have just found a really amazing setup that can cope with it. But like Jeff just said in the chat, the system must be really nice. Yeah, as Jeff just said in the chat, the Mercedes was bouncing in the corners, where the Ferrari was only really in a straight yeah. line. So obviously, that's yeah. going to make a big difference. Big significance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Next, McLaren. Both in Q3 for the first time this season. They were fourth and seventh in qualifying, fifth and sixth in the race. Uh, they sort of, as a team, were playing it down and said this track just kind of suited them better. But it definitely feels like race by race, that team is going in the right direction, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's there's 100% progress there. But I think, like, I, th- I think they're sort of right to be modest about it as well because... What you don't want to be doing is like hyping that up, and then suddenly you're fighting for ninth and tenth yeah. best in the points again. Like it's it, being humble about it is the right way be, to do it because you want to be continually improving uh, and to like sort of go, well, that's it. We've got to Q3 now. The, the car's as good as it's gonna be. As good as it's gonna be. Let's just plod on with the season. Like that's just the wrong attitude. Full stop. Like so, I, I think. I think as well, this is the thing. Like those those two drivers and the kind of mentality that they've got there is they know where the gains are to be had, and that bodes well from a development perspective because they're probably going to be able to come back and go right. Here's where the car's improving. Here's where mm-hmm. we still need to work, and then like guide that development throughout the season. And that's probably why they've got to where they have this weekend. In all honesty, is like they've they've yeah. probably both been able to drive that with the minimal updates they've been able to make in the right direction. And then hopefully by the time they get to Europe, you know, this is a regular occurrence, not just a a flash in the pan or like a, a circuit that suits them kind of thing. Yeah, they definitely found the sweet spot with their setup. I think, yeah, this weekend, yeah, didn't they? That's it, sure. it's a combo, isn't it? I think I think there's definitely improvements in the car, but. I mean, I think historically, if I, I look back and think about it, it is a circuit that McLaren's kind of always enjoyed success at to a degree. Like, mm-hmm. I can remember, like, Magnussen picking up his first podium yep. when he first was there. First race. And first F1 yeah, race it was like his first race for McLaren and picked up a podium and then, like, never really did a huge amount the rest of that season for McLaren, probably because it is just a circuit that, for whatever reason, whenever they build a car, it kind of goes well there. 
Yeah. It must be something in the name because hmm. good old Bruce is from that part of the world. Yeah. Well, New Zealand, but close close by. As close as they're going to get. I can't just yeah. get a New Zealand Grand Prix anytime soon. Sorry, people in New Zealand. <laughs> Auckland GP. Bring it. <laughs> uh, Norris had to do tons of fuel saving towards the end. He lost about six seconds in the last three laps. So uh, Ricardo would have finished ahead of him had they not asked him to hold position, which, you know, fair enough. Mm. I suppose, but um, yeah, all in all, pretty pretty good for them, I think. Uh, unlike Alpine, who it was, it was a what could have been for Alpine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah, a weird, weird one this weird weekend. One. Really Very weird, weird weekend. Um, I mean, Alonso, both of them, but Alonso especially had really good yeah. pace through practice. Uh, Quality. Alonso reckoned he was in the fight for pole position, which is a very yeah. Alonso thing to say, but actually didn't look far off, did he? He looked no, like his his times were good. Like I don't I'm not I don't think he'd have gotten it, but I think he'd have been in, in amongst those front rows like what Norris was. He'd have yeah. been ahead of Norris. Oh yeah, for sure. So what what's that? That's a fourth, isn't it? Norris started fourth. Fourth, maybe even third. Yeah. So he he was definitely in second and around row. those those second row places. Definitely. 100%. Um, but yeah, he, he, there was a damaged oil ring which caused the um, car just to cut out mid-corner, which is what sort of pitched him into the wall. Yeah, it yeah, was a weird one, that wasn't it? Hurt his thumbs as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, the, the, the hydraulics sort of obviously went on it. And, oh, wow. Um, mm. it, this, obviously, the steering becomes really, really heavy. He tried to hold on to it, but the car, this, obviously, when the car's doing what it was doing, mm. the steering just wants to go. And he tried to keep it, couldn't keep hold of it. Eventually, let's go of it, and it sort of snapped his thum- thumbs around mm. with Ooh, it, kind of thing. It's really uncomfortable, yeah. So he's got that, some nasty bruises on his hands now. That reminds me, I've completely changed the subject now, but have you seen the clip of Strolls on board from after the race? <laughs> Where he was going, no hands. Yeah. No. So as on the on the <laughs> cool down lap, you could see Stroll. He would like sort of straighten the car up and let go of the wheel and the car just started turning by itself and he did it multiple times but the weird thing is it didn't always turn in the same direction sometimes steering with his mind yeah there was some something had gone really bizarre with the steering rack in that car and I, I assume he hadn't got it perfectly straight line but whichever way it was slightly steering the car just started steering itself more in that direction which is obviously the opposite of what you would expect to happen yeah normally they it's like when you put your your trucks on backwards on a skateboard. Have <laughs> 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 you ever done that? Just you lean one way. You lean one way and your board wants to turn the other way. So you lean back backwards and your board just goes away from <laughs> your forwards. It's yeah. mental. Um, but yeah, back yeah, to Alpine. Weird. Um yeah, so Alonso was on a pretty good recovery, but the safety car sort of dropped badly for them and they had to pit a second time, so no points for him, unfortunately. Um, Ocon finished seventh, but it drops them behind McLaren in the standings. But, like, weird weekend for them didn't end the way it was looking, but positive signs overall, I think. Like, a, hopefully it's not just a circuit-specific thing for them. but Yeah, well, I want them back in the fight. Same yeah. with McLaren. I want them recovering and being back in the fight. So it was nice seeing Lonzo there, wasn't things it? to come. I mean, just both of them in general. Like yeah. it's nice. It's nice to see, it's it's nice to see a grid where that midfield can chop and change a little bit, mm. and things go, 
you know, back and forth, and and that's what you want, really. And yeah, you you don't want teams like completely dropping away, but you want it to be close enough that one week it could be Alonso and Ocon kind of getting the best out of the Alpine, but then the week after it's Lando and Danny Rick in the McLaren, and the week after that is Bottas and Joe in the like. I don't know. It's just it's what it should be like. I think it's just not just consistently here's 20 drivers and here's roughly the order they're going to finish in give or take two or three positions you want them close enough so that that order is going to shuffle around track by track don't you which it kind of has been I think like Alfa Romeo prime example like after two really good races um, neither of them made Q3 this time which actually ends um, Bottas's record run of 103 consecutive Q3 appearances which is a heck of a record he's got. Um, or, well, he holds the record, it's just not ongoing anymore. Um, he had a decent recovery to eighth. Um, Joe is just outside the points, which we will get on to. In fact, we'll get on to now because Alex Albon got uh, first point for him and Williams of the season for 10th place. He got relegated to the back of the... Well, he already had a three-place grid drop, didn't he? And then compounded yeah. that by not having enough fuel after qualifying for fuel sample. So yeah. started plum last. Um, so we started on the hard tyres and just didn't bother pitting. Did 57 yeah. of the 58 laps on the <laughs> hard tyres. And if you actually look at his lap times, so he was doing sort of 125s, 126s, um, through sort of the first half of the race, then gets to lap 41, starts doing 123s. Lap 46, he starts doing 122s. And his fastest laps of the race were actually in the uh, the few laps leading up to his pit stop on the penultimate lap. So he's on like 55, 50 set, 56 uh, lap old tyres doing mid-122s. Absolutely, tire preservation for you, isn't it? You yeah, know, and yeah, to stay in them—that's like a, a perfect drive to do. That. Uh, yeah, that's unbelievable really drive. Um, mm. Like, and the weird, the weird thing I thought was that they just, even when they were safety cars and VSCs, they just left him out. It was like, no, just keep on going, just keep on going. Like, yeah. And, and I feel like it wasn't that long for the end of the race when we were watching live. We were sort of roughly working out. It's like, oh, if he pits now, he's going to come out in eighteenth, and then. It didn't seem like that much later he pitted and came out in 10th. It's like, how has he done that? Yeah. Um, Williams did their best to ruin it by giving him a slow pit stop and he came out much closer to, uh, to Joe than I think they He came out behind Joe and yeah. overtook him, didn't he? Uh, that he was sort of 11th. side by side into turn one. But oh, I was think that it? Joe got I a think bit what crossed helped. up into turn two. I thought what helped though did uh, Leclerc not end up lapping the Alphas, and it meant that it wasn't like truly for position. Because no, it was the, Al- were, the Alphas probably, finished the race behind. All ah, right, fine. They were properly racing I, I, to turn one. Um, I know. I know the. I know the big thing was obviously him getting out ahead of Leclerc so that he was on the last lap and not being yeah. lapped. But then also get there was a there was a whole element that um, Leclerc could have lapped Joe, which would have meant that Joe finished on lap fifty seven. And I knew he came very close to doing so, but he didn't quite make it. I don't think then by the no, time he didn't. Um, they were they were properly side by side to turn one, and I think Bivin experience showed like they went side by side through one, and then Joe just got on the loud pedal a bit too much yeah. going into turn two, and his back end stepped out, and that was it. Um, Albon was gone then. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, and fresh tires as well. Yeah, like fresh, <laughs> fresh soft yeah. like tires. Heck of a drive from Albon. That really good to see. Yeah, um, yeah excellent stuff. And then last to finish, a quick mention of Aston Martin. Um, both cars crashed on Saturday. Um, Strolls in particular was very silly. As much as you can blame Latifi for that, it was. He he was rightly penalised for that. Um, got a penalty point on his license for it, I believe, as well. And then another silly crash of Vettel on Sunday. They're now the only team yet to score a point. Yeah. Very um, much a weekend to forget for them. What a shocker they had. Yeah. Just miserable. Yeah, I've not I've not seen a team have a weekend as bad as that for a long, long time. That was really, really appalling nah. weekend for them. Mm. Um, not going well, things at Aston Martin at the moment, eh? Not at all. No. Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's just <laughs> grim. It's slow. Yeah, the drivers are making mistakes. Yeah, you feel bad for Vettel being his like first race back as well, like first proper race at running. The car. You can you could almost forgive him for being sort of you know a bit rusty when he's when everyone else has had a couple. Of, like, he was he was never going to be sort of anywhere near like decent lap times, especially with the amount of what little practice he had as well throughout the race. I'm not surprised he. he eventually crashed it yeah, yeah that's the thing problem. like what was oh, I can't believe his issues were in practice but he like they had an engine blow up um, in first practice then second practice they were still putting it back together and then third practice I'm not sure there's Some, something I think I read earlier didn't I he think... crash it they were, they were putting the car oh. back together for qualifying weren't they oh that was he, it he, yeah, yeah, that he was only it. got he out in qualifying because of the red flag yeah, yeah, that was right. Yeah, so I think FP three, I think he crashed it as well. Um, yeah, FP three, yeah. he crashed it. Yeah, and then they just about got it back together in time for Q one, didn't they? I yeah. think I read earlier Vettel has completed twenty six laps this season. <laughs> well, yeah, and they were all at the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah, so yeah, two races out, and then a race of just everything going wrong. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, let's see. I mean, when we get back to Spain or maybe even Imola in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully, like, things will have sort of picked up for them a little bit. Yeah, get some I new mean, parts on it, get, get, get some new setup on it and get, we always, get more use of the setup. We always say that the further back you are, the easier it is to find time. And I hope that is true for them because... I've got a lot of time to find. Yeah. I do yeah. think when we get to Spain, I keep saying, I've said this every episode this season, I do think when we get to Spain, the order is going to get shaken up mm-hmm. quite a lot this year. I don't think it's going to be as you were. I think even at the front, things are going to sort of flip-flop a little bit and, you know, people are going to lose ground, gain big, make big gains and potentially make big losses when they bring in big oh, upgrades sure. to their cars. So, yeah, it's really, really exciting. I'm keen to see the next race. I'm keen to see, you know, if anyone, because next race probably more likely is going to be less new components come to that one and just everyone yeah. getting to grips with mm-hmm. their setups that bit more. Um, so that's going to give us a really good sort of frame of reference then for how, for where everyone is at at this sort of, before we get this kind of reset in, in Spain. Yeah. Um, and we'll be able to draw, finally be able to sort of come to some semi conclusions about where this season's going. I bet Ferrari are thrilled there's a race in Italy before everyone starts to catch them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are. Yeah. 100%. Uh, should, we, should we do some awards? Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's let's do driver of the day. And I mean, official one was Leclerc, was it not? I think I feel like we're going to say that most races this season, the way it's going. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're definitely not giving it Magnussen this week, at least. No, that's for sure. I think, dude, I think mm-hmm. Albon, man. Yeah. Albon, like... I mean, yeah. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> in, the, in the true vein of back of the grid, trying to find success in the underdog, Albon's is probably the biggest success story in that regard. That was a, yeah. a tyre-saving drive that Perez would have been proud of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah You've been working is. on that one. <laughs> I actually have it. <laughs> um, what about move of the day? I mean, the one that Perez put around the outside of Hamilton was the one that stood out to me because that... It's pretty tasty. The main, re- the main reason it stood out to me is, like, because I remember just thinking to myself, this is what I wanted out of these new 9 and 10 as they're organised <laughs> now. Like, yeah. exactly that. And it, it delivered. Could, uh, do, you and want, it, do you want to give move of the day to the corner or to the driver? <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think to the driver because, <laughs> like... It wouldn't be, I don't know, it's like, there were some other interesting opportunities there, but Perez 100% made the most out of any anything that I saw. Mm. Um, There's maybe no argument for Hamilton's for that one, start. Yeah, Hamilton's yeah, start. Yeah, the start's a good one. Um, I, I, just to respond on the turn nine thing, I think, I, to me, just you know, it was kind of like a candy from a baby past the... the uh, Perez one because the car was so much quicker in a straight line and the Mercedes was clipping down there so he just went went around him he um, maybe wished the DRS did... zone was a little bit shorter so he was like alongside into the turn rather than on mm, the way yeah. past into the turn I, but, I, but I, I agree with you that like the corner did what we wanted it to do though I absolutely agree with you that like it did yeah. generate like that opportunity but um, as a pass I don't think that was necessarily like the best pass that I've ever seen. I think it was quite an easy pass for him in the end, really, because he just out, he just slipstreamed him and out dragged him through the race. But then at mm. the same time, like, you know, you've got to be quick through the preceding quarters to shape that pass up. So, you know, it's, there's still merit in there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of convincing myself to your way of thinking now. It's, it's was, more um, like what stood out in the race overall for me. Like, that was just one mm. that stood out, because... That's what it's about. Is it because there, it? like, there weren't that many? <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you look at when you look at other people though, as well into that corner, more people were making mistakes than were pulling off the pass. Like, mm. it's, it's you're right. Like the DRS situation and the run up to the corner does put you a you know kind of alongside someone, but you've got to have some cojones to stick it around the outside there and, and make the move work and. I mean, at least two people proved that you're going you're going off the track <laughs> if you don't get it right. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of why it stood out for me is like he he got the job done where other people, I mean, one in particular, Carlos Sainz, literally ended his race trying to do something similar. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Carlos Sainz should have been like if Carlos Sainz had not binned it in that corner, he would have been probably our candidate for move of the day for something because he was yeah. driving the, the day to get to get back to where he probably could have yeah, yeah the, there was so the, much potential there the credits he's thrown away just by <laughs> having that accident at turn nine um, i mean we all had him for the win didn't we literally every single yeah, one of us had all yeah. our signs win yeah all three so, of us yeah he's got Triple plenty of signs. credits here <laughs> um crazy i did like 
I think the the sort of racing I enjoyed the most was when Ricardo came out of the pits and he had, I think it was Albon and Stroll right behind him and he was sort of fending them both off into turn three on coal tyres. And I think Stroll kind of used used Albon attacking Ricardo to get past Albon yeah. kind of thing. But yeah. like as, as sort of a section of racing, that was sort of enjoyable, but there, there also wasn't like a standout overtake in all of it. It was kind of... yeah. More like lots of positional driving. Yeah. What about um? How about Mitch Evans uh, for the lead of the race? What about that one? <laughs> oh wait, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> little little Formula E joke for you there, guys. I'm, I've seen the result, but I'm still yet to watch it. I'm looking forward to it. So good, so good. Um, but anyway, we're getting sidetracked. I think I. Yeah. Because I can't think of any other passes, I'm going to go with Perez on Hamilton. That's kind of how I'm feeling, yeah. <laughs> that's, but that's why he gets it, because it was the one that was good enough to stick in memory, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And then last award for this week. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? I've got one. I mean, he's that man's teammate for me, regardless of what anyone else says. <laughs> what, for the weekend, you mean? Uh, well, yeah, like... It's, we'd sometimes do well just the whole weekend like I think that he's been off the pace he's been poor in like not even wheel to wheel combat just car positioning generally like it's I don't know it's just one of those where it makes you scratch your head and think why like well we we know why he's there but it, do you know what I mean it's one of those kind of yeah. weekends that it's like it's an absolute shocker how mm-hmm. far from the bottom of the driver rankings would you put him at the moment in Formula One? He's down there. Of the current drivers, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, based on this season's performances um, so far, like, where would you put him in your driver ranking? He's got his, I mean, he's never Honestly, bottom, he? I think I'd probably put him bottom off the top I of my head. I don't reckon. I don't think there's anyone like worse than him. At like the Latif, yeah, I think there's, there's... Latif is slow, but at least he's like not crashing into people. <laughs> at least he just crashes people, into walls just, just and walls, not other people. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's 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 probably a hard one between him and Latif. It's a bad time to be a Canadian F1 fan. Put it that way. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um. What punters, punters in punters in the pit lane when Albon came into? <laughs> oh yeah, that was yeah, that was bad. pretty. What? Yeah, that's really bad. I've forgotten about that. To be fair, absolutely mental. Um, Ted doing a shoey from just a random person at the track. Oh, really? From there, yeah, shoe, that was that's weird. Grim. Oh, why? Because he's because he's he Ted. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that he does. <laughs> he's weird. Wow, that's. <laughs> Not normal. That's oh. grim. <laughs> I mean, he's not Man. been normal for years. Not yet, but oh my god, he's making me pull faces that I've never seen mm. myself pull. Ooh, that really has grossed me out. That shoeys are disgusting. Anyway, why the hell would you anyone do ever do a shoey? Rank. Um, what else we got? I'm I'm looking through the Discord chat from the weekend, and most search results that go along with WTF either include the words Aston Martin or Stroll. So I think we're in the wow. right ballpark. 
Okay, I definitely that think is... Stroll's like jink to the right as Latif was coming up yeah. around him to do a lot to sort yeah. of get himself in a different position. Yeah, that whole like scenario just obviously a massive misunderstanding. That should never have even happened in the first place. Like, first of all, why would you just suddenly jink to the right in in that position? It just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But then at the same time, Latif is the two worst drivers in our rankings apparently on yeah. the grid having a collision together. So. Of course, that's going to happen. If they get too near to each other and they're doing silly things on track at the same time, then yeah, they're going to come into each other. But the, that whole thing was just daft. Yeah, it so was. That can be, I think that's my WTF of the weekend, to be honest. I think that supersedes yeah. everything else because yeah. it just should never, ever, ever have happened. No, and it really silly. Balls up other people's opportunities in qualifying mm. as well. Yeah. Bigger consequences so, than just them two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I can go right. with that. Shall I uh, run us through some prediction stuff and fantasy and what yeah. have you? Um, so, an all right week for you, Chris. You got two points. I think that's the best any of us have done all season. Two points. Yeah. Uh, you got Leclerc's fastest in Q3 and Bottas in eighth. Bottas uh, came to I my got, aid. Yeah. Uh, I got 17 finishes, uh, but that's about where it ends for us. Um, a lot of people got four points this weekend wow. 17 to be precise um which i mean they all failed on first dnf they're all good but it was science <laughs> i can tell you that much for a fact yeah. um everything's spe- coming up leclerc <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is basically um in terms of the science dnf as well i'm going to give a um an honorable shout out to nikki flanagan who was the only person of only 400 <laughs> that said Carlos Sainz as first DNF wow. so the only person to what? earn a point there Nicky congrats on that one savage yeah and in terms of the overall what that does actually lead us to is we have an outright leader now in Gary Vinall who's on 8 points from the first 3 races so a few people were very close behind on 7 or 6.5 but yeah Gary is now our outright leader so congrats Gary um, in terms of the official F1 prediction league, Team Odors still lead the way there. Um, and then in the grid rival fantasy league, uh, we have a new leader, which is Green Lantern Corps. So Jeff's going to be sad because Jeff's been dropped down oh, to third. No. Early days. Sad times, Jeff. So, yeah. Um, if you want to get involved with any of this, head to backofthegrid.com. You can join in the Predictions League there. You can register if you've not already registered before and join in next time out. And there's also a section on there for the Fantasy Leagues uh, where there's a link out to Grid Rival to join that and there's a link out to the official F1 Fantasy to join that. So head to the website and find details there. Um, Should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Yeah, let's. (laughs) Keep me saying now. Stay stay out. (laughs) I'll do first one. Um, Low percent lunge says Melbourne proved to be kinder to McLaren and Mercedes while hurting Haas and Alfa Romeo compared to previous races. Who will have the advantage at Imola in two weeks' time? Hmm. Out of those two specifically, well, sorry, those those two groups, I guess McLaren and Mercedes or Haas and Alfa. I would say. Hmm. I would. I'd lean towards like the McLaren and the Mercedes. 
again. Do you think? Yeah, because it's it's not a vastly different kind of track, is it? Mm. Not really, actually. Kind of couple I of fast sweeping corners, changes, a lot of like yeah. Yeah, slow. 90s kind of thing so yeah i guess it's not actually there is a little bit of clumsiness that yeah though that you've now no longer got in australia you need to be be interesting to see yeah yeah so but they're really low speed corners though those yeah yeah and things is not really gonna make no the porpoising is not gonna be an issue there i don't think um do you know what i'm gonna say that the alpha will be back where we expected it to be and the McLaren will continue to threaten its factory opponent. I.e., it's a bit of a mix of both, I think. That being And what about Haas and Mercedes? Uh, essentially, Mercedes behind McLaren and Haas. Sort you think of, Mercedes behind McLaren? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being bold. You're crazy. So, Dude, I Italian mean, accent. The, the main straight at Imola isn't straight. And if your car's already poor poising before that last left-hand kink, that doesn't sound a whole lot of fun to be taking flat out. Possibly, yes. Mm, Just depends, interesting. Depends when it starts kicking in, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't... Uh, do McLaren have the same porpoising issues as... Don't Mercedes seem to. McLaren's thing was always brakes, wasn't it? And it looks like... The, yeah. Kind of like I think if, they're if getting on top of here, that now. Then, yeah, if they've got on top of that here, then that should reflect in in coming races. So mm, yeah, they definitely seemed more like McLaren seemed more like where they should be based off of testing, based off what we did yeah. see them do in testing. So yeah, um, that definitely feels to me like probably maybe they. I think everything will be much closer between at least those three teams. I do think Mercedes are going to make another step forward again. I don't think they'll go backwards. I think each they've been consistently improving. That's one thing they've done over between each race. They've got better and better, and I think that's going to continue. Here's a clarification of my point, though. I'm not necessarily saying Mercedes will go backwards. What I think is McLaren will go further forwards than oh, wow, Mercedes. That's so what think, I'm getting at. Hmm. So you're saying McLaren will, will improve so much that it'll bring them up into the mix with Mercedes? Exactly. And hmm. I think I think it's more of a circuit-dependent thing. I can, I can just envision that if McLaren keep on the curve that they're on, Imola would probably suit them better than Mercedes at the moment. And therefore, yeah. it's, it's a... McLaren's progress will continue to the point where they're possibly like kind of on par with Mercedes and it becomes a circuit thing and here is where they'd have an opportunity to like take advantage of that is is what I'm thinking early I mean, in the season yeah yeah like throughout the season yes Mercedes will probably pull out ahead of them but I think at this point like there's a good chance for McLaren to at least give Merck a run for the money here yeah. I don't mm-hmm. hate that I don't I, I mean we, we're still two weeks away from a race aren't we but <laughs> like you got to remember it's like a sprint race as well, this this next one. Oh, yeah. you got a, fri- you got a Friday oh, qualifying, there, yeah. you've got a sprint race on Saturday, and then you've got a race on Sunday. So that's that's another sort of thing to factor into it all. And you know what? And the McLarens have raced well this weekend. I'm not working, so I'm actually going to be able to watch it. <laughs> there you go. I, I however, wait. won't be watching any of it. Oh, no. Because I'm not Why? here. I'm, oh. I mean, I'm watching the race from an airport. 
So. <laughs> Pressure on Stu anyway. for that podcast then. Yeah. Uh-oh. I should have kept my mouth shut. Next one. <laughs> Next, uh, from Karen. Now that Charles is clearly leading the Drivers' Championship, will Ferrari make signs become the Checo of 2021? Do you think he'll really comply or is it too early to tell? I'd say a combination of he's a bit too early for Ferrari to be making sweeping changes like that but also I think as the season will play out Leclerc will potentially kind of do that for himself if it, if it's going to happen like he will create a point where he's far enough ahead to be sort of considered an, like an outright number one and Sainz kind of won't have any choice but <laughs> to comply with it but I don't think it'll be any time soon. I think it won't. It'll be like near the end of the season when science is kind of mathematically out of anything realistically, and science will pick up wins. I think this season, just not to the extent that Charles is. Yeah, I still think we're a way off that decision having to be made. Yeah, a long way. I think you'd be mad to make that decision this soon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul says, "How much do you think not?" having had this first race win is now becoming a monkey on science's back uh, and it's actually slowing him down or leading to mistakes that's i I think that's a a stretch for me like i i think this weekend he's been really 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 unlucky the safety car uh sorry the uh the 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 red flag flag, yeah in um in in quality just absolutely screwed him put him on a bad strategy and then he was always going to be at a massive disadvantage from then on probably maybe he might have been like trying to overcompensate a little bit on those tyres in that situation at that point in the race but still he was never going to get a race wing based on that anyway so yeah uh, I would for me I think recently I would put that down to just bad bad luck yeah, I mean, it's um, got to suck. I, his look's got to change at some point. Yeah, it, it can't be easy watching your teammate being thrown away the fastest driver out there while you're having all these problems, but it will come in time. I think he just needs to yeah. be a little bit patient for now. And it, it, it is, like you say, it's, it's largely bad luck. Like, okay, first race, he was a bit off the pace, but he definitely seems to be closing the gap a bit when things are going his way. It just like, it all needs to f- fall into place at the same time, I guess. Yeah. yeah, agreed. McCheco says, "How do we feel about the tire step experiment? I can't help but feel that making the softs essentially unusable in the race was detrimental. Um, what's the point in having three sets of tires if you're if you aren't able to take advantage of them in all in the race in all the different ways?" And um, Wes also added, "Album could have run the entire race on one set of tires. It's worth reconsidering the two compound rule." Do you know Is how it? many laps were done on the soft tyre in the race? Two. Uh, one, Albon at the end. Yeah, he was literally Albon's final lap. Uh, and he was, well, we talked about it last week, this was exactly the fear with the way this was set up was that the soft tyre would be just the qualifying tyre and then the race would only be the mediums and hards and that's exactly well, how it played out. Hold on a minute. Like... Every, we've just been talking about Albon and how great it was that he ran for so long and then give a, you know managed to get himself points at the end and did an amazing tire stri- an amazing drive on 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 old old tires by the end to then swap to the soft tires to get a point would would that have been possible with any other 
if they you know would 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 that strategy have even been viable if they'd if they didn't have that soft tie would they have even considered that if they didn't mm-hmm. have the gap in the tires you know like is has that yeah. given us that entire thing maybe i think I th- it's, it's a double edged for me because i think that he's probably outperformed what the tire was capable of life wise and like you know putting a stellar conservative whilst fast drive to do what he's done but also the the other bit that Wes mentioned, like the the two compound rule, it scuppered what would have been an even better finish because he would have, you know, been higher in the points. But then again, more people would have just no, run the hard d- for longer. Yeah, exactly. Like, Everyone, no one, no one would have made pit stops, and it would have been boring. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's. I think that the rules fine, but. I think that a combination of not being at this track for a long time and not knowing how the changes will play out meant that maybe the hard and the medium were actually too conservative a choice. And what it should have been is those should have been maybe a step softer. And we, w- yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have ended up with the gap there because I think the soft we use was literally the softest we can go. It is was, it? Yeah. Was it not? Absolute so, like, softest. I mean, yes, you'd have ruined the um, the the tire step that we had but you'd have potentially had a little bit more strategy going on in the race because uh, the the hard definitely wouldn't have been able to last a race distance like what Albon did so it, it's, it's a weird one like there's, there's pros and cons to both I think yeah I think I think the whole thing's really strange because actually when you when you look at some of the strategies that played out so Stroll he uh, during the first safety car he pitted twice because it was really early safety car he pitted yeah, twice yeah. and uh, changed the medium tyre then changed back to the hard tyre to then run yep. to the end of the race on the hard tyre so if yep. Albon had done that where would Albon have finished you know would he have finished like in the, yeah. in, the in serious points maybe if, he, if he'd taken that strategy yeah. so actually have they messed up by not doing that and actually just salvaged one point from what could have been a much better performance out of interest where was Albon at that point because obviously the thing the thing that made it they made the thing that made that an interesting strategy at the time was the fact that everyone pitted Stroll Stroll was last anyway yeah and you know he wasn't going to lose anything by essentially pitting twice and then joining the back of the train and I mean if that had been like I don't know like Lewis or Max or someone, and then they've blasted through the field, or Leclerc in the, this year's Ferrari, then gone yeah. through the field and done a recovery drive. We wouldn't have stopped talking about it for weeks. Album like, was last, it, 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 well, for, for at least uh, two uh, so weeks. So Al- album was so album was Stroll's uh, next target essentially, because Stroll um, was dead last, wasn't he? Because of it was, the it was stops. signs that caused that safety car, right? Si- signs caused the safety yeah. car, and then Stroll pitted for the mediums and then yeah. when he came out of the back he then they went for right let's we've done his lap on the mediums let's go back to the hards for the rest of the race and they were essentially trying to see out the race on mm-hmm. the and hearts. he came out behind who everyone he was at the back yeah, he, was he was 19th so who was who was 18th uh album right yeah so, so Williams have missed a trick there technically they've massively missed a trick if Albon had done the exact same thing but then, then Albon had s- Actually, no, because Stroll also started on hard tyres. Yeah, Stroll went yeah. hard, medium, right. hard yeah, in, he during the safety car. Because what they were essentially trying to do is get the compulsory pit stop out of the way and then attempt to run to, to the end. end on the hards, which he didn't manage, I don't think. Did he not stop again? Uh, Stroll, he... Mm. I'll tell you in a second. Let me find him. 
He did, yeah. He, like, he had to stop. Yeah, it, so. uh, I thought he stopped. Oh, actually, no, no, sorry, he didn't. He didn't. I did not. I'm obscene. He made two pit stops, but he did them like yeah. back to back laps. No, fa- no, fair enough. Didn't. So, so they they did make the strategy work in the sense of he didn't stop again. But I mean, the, we know no, before much of that car's not there. Stroll, Stroll did stop again. Stroll stopped on around lap twenty something ish. Really? I guess when when everyone came in, yeah. He stopped Weird. again. So he. I mean, what he, was the point <laughs> in the first double pit stop then? If, if, I, know, if I guess, I guess like, the same. Just like the scrap same, the plan. <laughs> yeah, I think the safety car came out and they were like, "Oh, free pit stop. Let's have some fresh tires." Mm. And Weird. Albon did the op- Albon did the opposite, and I guess <laughs> would have jumped up the order as a result because everyone pitted. So essentially, both Aston Martin and Williams have scuppered what could have been better results by making odd, um, odd pit stop decisions. There. Yeah. Yeah. So. Weird. <laughs> That's so strange. I, I think we need to it look is. into this a little bit more because this is. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go away after this and sort of try and figure this one out because it's very. So Albon was like, "Where was Albon when he pitted for his soft tires? He was like up in sick for something, wasn't he?" Uh, seventh. It was seventh. Seventh. Um, just behind Danny Rick, mm-hmm. about four seconds off Danny Rick, I think he was. And so then, in theory, then, if he'd done the exact same strategy that that's that where he made the stop early, he would have probably finished seventh, sixth, or seventh. Yeah. 100% it would have because he am, am started on those something? tires are there. No, this, like is what, this is why something. he's got driver of the day. There's nothing to <laughs> be missed. Like, he, he's a, an awesome drive, basically. It's an Al- awesome Albon drive, but it could achieved, have been... It could have... He achieved it despite the team, basically. Yeah. It seems that yeah. way, yeah. Uh, but uh, there must be a factor at play that we're, that we're not I, I mean, picking up on here. Uh, c- come on, the, the, stroll, the stroll strategy call... I don't think anybody legit thought uh, anyone at the back is legit gonna think. Oh, we could uh, come in, end, put yeah. put the medium on, and then come back out and put the heart. Yeah. Like it's not a done thing. It's not in the strategy playbook. And Aston Martin, to be fair, there have like gone. There's an opportunity to take a gamble here, and it could have paid yeah. off. But it's not the norm. And it took everyone watching kind of a minute to go. Why is it? Why is he come back in? Like, why, why on earth is he pitting again? Then they put the hards on, and everyone's like. Oh, I see what he's doing. They're getting the compulsory yeah. pit stop out of the way while he's stuck I, at the back and just going for the end. I thought that he must have had a dodgy set. I yeah. thought he'd yeah, a, a lot of people did at the time. Or something like that. But that, that's what I mean. I think that's you can't knock Williams too hard for not doing it. I don't think because no, you know a lot of people didn't true. even realize what Aston Martin were doing until it well, became think, a bit more obvious. I don't think Williams necessarily realised what they were doing straight away. <laughs> True. The and it was True. like, oh, we can, we can make these tyres last longer, then let's stay yeah. out. So yeah, they definitely the said they didn't go into the race with that in mind. It was like yeah, and yeah. I, and I think this is this is the unknown factor that I'm talking about. Like hindsight is a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's easy yeah. for us yeah. to sit here now and say, oh, they could have had seventh um, or, or better when actually like, in in the cold light of day when you're actually doing you know when you're down there and you're in the in the yeah. trenches like doing this having a race then it's not necessarily clear that there is going to be another safety car and a load of people are going to pit again you're going to suddenly find yourself at the end of the race in sixth seventh eighth position um and you don't know how long you're going to be able to make those tires last either so it, i think it's still a really good result for williams in the end if that's have we even like are we still on the same question or have we just completely tangented at this point <laughs> we, i don't know but I, we've tangented a little bit but within reason we're talking about tires still which is yeah, what so the question I, uh, entailed <laughs> yeah and i think 
I think given the fact that they... To bring it back to the question, I do think that the fact that they knew they had the soft tyre on that offered so much more grip at the end of the race. They could just blast round at the end and potentially snatch a couple of points. Um, Probably was a factor in their thinking. They probably came to sort of towards the end when they're pumping in lap times and thinking, you know what? Yes, we're going to lose a lot of positions when we do this pit stop. But if we if we get this just right, we can still get a point by getting the softest tire and giving ourselves the best chance. And that yeah. probably wouldn't have been as viable a strategy if that tire wasn't that step softer. I think. Yeah, I think the the closer and closer he got to like around the mid fifties laps, like lap fifty four and so on, that becomes more and more possible, doesn't it? To stick that soft tire on for the final two three four laps whatever it was i mean obviously it only ended up being one but like in terms of what that tire is capable of they're looking at it thinking we can get like two or three really solid on pace laps out of there and potentially regain some of the positions we lose by having to make the pit stop and the longer he the closer he got to that the more capable of that they were and then it just became a point of how long can we actually go and and take advantage of like lapped cars and stuff meaning we're not going to lose position and just stay ahead of Leclerc mm. and and come out ahead of the yeah. leader and on the but, lead lap and and I yeah. think even then like they probably pitted a little bit too late to take full advantage of that tire as well yeah yeah like, I mean so they, they, took, they, they the tried to basically sort of get out on the lead lap and finish yeah. 10th or above basically yeah that was totally like so yeah if they pitted like maybe five laps sooner he probably would have been more he probably might have even finished a little bit further I don't know what the times were like at that point because I was really tired but um, (laughs) it's at that point he definitely would have had enough grip to go and fight whoever was up the road Gasly was three seconds up the road wow so I think if uh, if they'd made that pit stop maybe two or three laps sooner at the end of a race when people are on worn tyres and you're on fresh the fastest you know a step down in compound the fastest tyre that they do then yeah you you could have he could have totally been sort of overtaking people but he could have been doing a um, uh, Mitch Evans (laughs) (laughs) that's what he could have been doing and just overtaking everyone at the end Mitch Evans super fan (laughs) yeah don't, I mean, you try, you're trying to get them to go watch it. Don't tell them what happens because then they'll not go watch it. Well, no, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like, how does how does it end, though? You know, how does it end? Um, anyway, shall we do the next question? Who's next? next? Yeah, let's, let's move on. We had a bunch of questions about Stroll. Um, so there's a couple here that kind of summarize it. Uh, Karen asked, will there ever be a way to get rid of Lance from F1 besides him mm. choosing to retire? And Cody asked, do you think Stroll should have been further penalised for his overtake on Bottas? Um, should maybe do the Bottas thing first? Um, I didn't see the Bottas thing. I was hard at work at this point. It wasn't... So someone explained to me what happened. If I remember rightly, it was into turn three, wasn't it? And I think... Yes. Right one where Bottas he... tried to go around the oh, outside. Oh, his elbows out, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was, the track, it was Bottas it? basically trying to go around the outside and Stroll refusing to give racing room to Bottas whilst do it whilst he was doing that. Um I mean the 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 thing is that that sort of defence that Stroll put on has had a precedent set by the likes of mm. Max Verstappen that Chris was on yeah. uh, that Stu was on about earlier, sorry. So they've it's 
to not I mean to not penalise him they didn't penalise him at all I don't think did they for that oh no I don't he get a five, so, no sorry no. he got a five second time penalty was it for that or was that for something else oh, do you know what Stroll he had, had so Stroll many had a five second penalty he had a five second penalty I just don't know if it was for that um, I hope someone can like tell me otherwise but he, did, he 100% had a five second penalty because there were people like Gasly I think behind him basically being told don't go too aggressive racing him because he's going to finish behind us um, mm. uh, yep yeah, Paul's correcting me in the discord the penalty was for the weaving yes he was, was doing a bit of um, extortionate amounts of weaving yeah. down the straights to defend yeah, so car car 20 is a uh, stroll isn't it Yes. No, he's eighteen. No, he's eighteen. Oh, Twenty is eighteen. Okay, car eighteen. Twenty is Magnussen. Yeah. Uh, more than one change of direction was the yeah. offence. Yeah. Um, I'm just downloading the. So he didn't. He didn't get anything essentially. But but I think it comes back to the point Stu made earlier that a precedent's been set of that. That's like an okay way to defend because if you're the leading car, you can kind of essentially block the track. Um, <laughs> To it's defend an your position. Um, test for the new race directors, though, if they mm. seem to have sort of taken that same position, which I don't yeah. love. But so yeah, it was a five-second penalty and one penalty point. Um, on the it, say, it says here on the main straight, car eighteen, Lance Stroll was ahead of car seventy-seven. Stroll moved right to defend against the potential overtake from Bottas. Stroll returned to the racing line and then moved to the right for a second time to defend from another move by Bottas. The second move breaches the regulation, which prohibits more than one change of direction to defend a position. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, so, it was all. It was all for the weaving, but it wasn't. There was nothing for the pushing him. Yeah. Off nothing track. for driving the car off the track. That I mean, that's mm. that seems a bit. He's, he's got away with. One there. I, think I guess like the lightly, argument yeah. would yeah the argument would be that Bottas's tires were on the curbs I guess you could say so it wasn't like fully pushed all the way into the gravel yeah but still like no. I wonder if, I wonder if there's as well like the the penalty is officially for the weaving but it's maybe all been encompassed into the same decision because it's, it's all like, it's all to do with the the overtake that Bottas was trying to make and it's essentially the defense was not acceptable here's like a all of that penalty. was terrible here's a penalty yeah, yeah uh, there's a possibility but i mean it, it's still like it, it, multiple breaches there of sporting code like they should all be addressed like if you breach it just because you, there's two different rules been broken there there's the weird yeah, yeah. should be and there's way. the driving a car off the track you should be penalized for both of those because they're both rules that have been broken yeah. simple as that so he's got a flight there i would say as for stroll's yeah. future um I don't think it's fair that to sort of... I, I don't like to hear... Even even when a driver's like not... You know, even when you've got drivers like Mazapan, like, you don't... Just because they've... Just because they're a pay driver doesn't necessarily always mean that they're bad for the sport. They might not be great to watch and they might not be sort of like what we want to see as fans. But at the same time, like a lot of the time, they're what are enabling people to run teams. So yeah. they're, they're a necessary evil, unfortunately. Um, and without them, Aston Martin wouldn't be <laughs> but where then... they are, which is at the back of the grid. But still, like they wouldn't be on the grid. Yeah, they yeah, wouldn't be on exactly. the grid. I guess, I guess that brings up the question... Is is Lawrence Stroll there because he wants to run a Formula One team, or is Lawrence Stroll there because he wants his son to have a Formula One drive? 
And I think I think, if, yeah. I, I think he wants a Formula One team. I don't think he's there because his son wants well, a Formula One drive. Well, if that's, that's the madness. case, if that's the case, then if Stroll keeps driving this season the way he has been the first three races, Lawrence might have some difficult questions to answer. Mm. I think he's already got some difficult questions. So well, he's yeah, already, he's already got some. He's already in a difficult position just by having his son in his Formula One team. Mm. Um, I think. Yeah, you know, if if things like this keep happening, if it keeps, you know, causing this kind of damage to to the car and giving them with such huge bills, then yeah, he's yeah. probably going to turn around and say, well, you're going to keep trashing your car, son. I can't afford to keep repairing them, so we're going to get someone else. So I'll start so, a I mean, Le Mans team that I can send you off to drive yeah. it. <laughs> I get, yeah, mm. I guess the good thing is, like, because dad owns the team, um, Eventually, at some point, like someone else is going to have to drive that car. Like, that's just the way Formula One works. Like, people don't Mm. stay in Formula One teams forever. And it means that while, you know, when you look at someone like Latifi, who is just bringing money to the team, and when Latifi leaves that team, the money is going to go with him. Because, Because the source of the cash is actually the owner of the team now, if for whatever reason Lance Stroll does have to disappear out of out of that team then the cash is not going anywhere the cash is there now and it's in its part of the team so and also like based on Lauren Stroll's like attitude towards business and like what he's trying to do with Aston Martin at large I think he's definitely much more keen to stay within he's, he's the answer to the question is no he's not owning that team for his son he's owning it because he's got a bigger strategy for Aston Martin as a as a business yeah Mm. It just so happens that his son is a form. It was a Formula One driver and has gotten into Formula One, and and I guess kind of like the the osmosis of Stroll being in Formula One and him him getting that drive has kind of like pulled Lawrence Stroll for close more closely into the world of Formula One, and he's thought to himself, "Oh, I'll, I'll get myself a team." And if uh, if rumours do believed, the um. Aston Martin are having conversations with uh, Porsche and Audi at the moment, but uh, that's maybe something we'll talk about next week because there's a there's a lot of stuff going on with that story yeah, that we'll, lot to we'll not get into there, right now. All right, okay, yeah. we better move on to the next question then. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, say on that note, I'm going to read the next one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it kind of involves Stroll again, but it's, it's a slightly more general question. Uh, but Sarah asked, Stroll's now currently on eight penalty points, and a few others also have seven. Do you think we will see a race ban uh, on any of the drivers this season? And if so, who would be the most likely driver to get that race ban? 12 points of the race ban, right? It is, yeah. It is indeed, yeah. And generally, depending on the offence, you're handed like between one and three points. He's had it- three this weekend, Stroll, I believe. Um, how recent are all the drivers' points because they sort of they go off, don't they? They sort the of disappear 12 after mo- twelve a months. Of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Verstappen earned a lot of penalty points towards the the end of last season. He's got quite a lot <laughs> yeah. of life left in a lot of his, hasn't he? Is is up there? I think with like how long the points that he has will last. Um, I think he ended up at eight towards the end of last season, so. It potentially, if, if Stroll's now the highest on eight, one of those has already gone, and they're starting yeah. to he's starting to work his way out of them. But so he's got Hamilton. He got well. Hamilton had a lot. Of, Hamilton, Hamilton has a few. 
Strolls six, I think, got, um, Strolls got eight. One expires next week, and then two expire in August. So she should be all right. Mm. Uh, well, first, he's drive, first, no, he's first driving the way season, Yeah, first yeah. Half, he's got to keep his nose clean. <laughs> I suppose yeah. the speed has been picking them up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hamilton's only take, on two currently. Oh, is he? Oh, he's Max is on, Max is on seven. Ooh. How, yeah, when did so his it was, expire? It was eight down to seven. Um, September. Yeah, maybe so maybe that's why. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why we're not seeing as many mental lunges yeah, from maybe. this season. Possibly. In answer to a question last last week. Um, yeah, I can I can definitely you know I can picture Stroll just through sheer kind of clumsiness. Clump, yeah, in clumsiness could yeah. end up. Accidentally causing himself a race ban. I think Verstappen's too good. I think he'll he'll keep his nose clean until until his some of his points have cleared up, and then towards the end of the season, that's when we'll see the real hmm. Verstappen come out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a funny old question, isn't it? I mean, let's. Yeah, that's my answer. Like the stroll, potentially, yeah, but I, I, the others, I don't know. Like Latifi, how many points has Latifi got? Um, Schumacher, how many points? Schumacher I mean, got? generally Latifi just crashes into walls, though, and they don't tend to give penalty points out for that. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It, it's when uh, you crash six. into other people. Latifi's on six, so he's, uh, well, he's maybe they, maybe be... they are defensive of the walls. <laughs> yeah, some of his are expiring quite soon, though. I think. Uh, as well. June, yeah, I think they're probably yeah. quite early from last season. Um, I will say, since they brought in the penalty point system, there's never been a driver given a race ban as a result of penalty points. So. Yeah, the, the last breath. the last race ban is literally the one that caused them to bring in the penalty points exactly, system. And that's yeah, Grosjean uh, in Spa yeah. when he wiped out like four cars flying over the top of Alonso's head. Yeah, and so and on. there was the the Spain incident with Grosjean as well, wasn't there? Before that, where um, he just lit it up into turn three. No, three that, was, that was like a few no, years ago, wasn't that, it? That, that was, was that was after he. That was afterwards. Oh, was it? After I know. That? I know which one you're season? talking about. Yeah, but because he had a shocker that se- the start of that season, he had a real yeah. shocker as well. Really that bad. was oh, that was while it was still Lotus, I think, before it became Renault again. And he, he, anyway. lit the, he lit up the rears and took out Hulkenberg in a Force India. I want to say, which shows how long ago it was. Yeah, let's uh, let's move this on before this turns into a speed awareness class. <laughs> Um, is it the ne- am I the next one? It's, yeah, it's you on the next one. Uh, Imposter Nikki says Mercedes is really benefiting for the chaos in front of them. They are, um, but Lewis is missing out on most of these opportunities. If Russell stays in the lead and the car improves, will we see Lewis become the number two driver <laughs> and needing to support Russell's chances? Mm, I wouldn't re- hold your breath for that <laughs> one either. Yeah, <laughs> realistically, I don't think Mercedes are gonna be in the fight for either championship. Like. No. Do you not? Do you still no, not think? I don't think so. That no. is such an early judgment, Chris. That is so I th- I early. I think to be they that. will close the gap, and they'll probably win races before the season's out. But they ain't going to be fighting for championships. Not no, to the I point where so. they need to start picking a number one driver. What time is it? Monday, the eleventh of April, <laughs> 20, 20 past eight. Chris Evans. Right off Mercedes. And, yeah, right off Mercedes. <laughs> right in the mark. Three, three races into the season. Even we'll Toto Wolff has already said they're not going to be winning championships this year. Well, then again, Toto Wolff also comes out would... testing every year saying we've got the fourth yeah. slowest car and they normally go on and win the championship. So. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just the problem is this time they actually have got, well, the third slowest car. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm not. I think they'll come back. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Nikki's the, question the is a problem yeah, the, either. Yeah. Not, not, not for now, anyway. No, no. I don't think that's... Yeah, that's it. I think if it did come to it, then probably... I think I'd like to think that Hamilton would have the grace to support his teammate in if he did find himself in a situation where he was out of the running. I think so. I think he I think he would support him because they've they've got quite a good relationship anyway those two. So yeah, seem um, to so far. I mean, it's only been yeah. three races. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's see if we if we get if we get to the end of the season and they are fighting each other for a championship. I'm sure that relationship will sour very quickly. Yeah. Now next one. Uh. Next, from Paper Camera, how will the cost cap play out at the end of the season? Christian Horner's complaint after the British Grand Prix last year could uh, be revisited by a team like Williams, who have a car wrecked through no fault of their own. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, I wouldn't He's... strictly say that it's no fault of their own. I think their driver was also being a bit silly at that point. There was a percentage yeah. of fault. That that's yeah. kind of what I said live when we were discussing it in Discord. Like you know, it's why why is Latifi then trying to re overtake Stroll when he's just letting yeah. past and mm. stuff and putting himself in that position. But I mean Str- Stroll is like the one at fault for definite, but Latifi could have kind of avoided the situation by not yeah. doing what he did in the first place. So there is a little bit of a yeah. fault at Latifi's door, but it's minor. And in terms of the financials, I think Williams would be more worried about making it to the end of the season than whether or not they meet the budget cap. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Like, as much as you can sympathise with someone else's crash into a car, it's going to cost us however much, you just start can't start getting into a insurance blame game kind of thing oh, with my goodness. sports. No. Like, it's just not... It's part of the game. When you go motor yeah. racing, sometimes your car's going to get crunched and that's just yeah. part of the game, when, unfortunately. When you go on a track day, as simple as when you go on a track day, hmm. it's, it's kind of understood among everyone on the track that if, if you if you damage your car or if you damage someone else's, it's kind of like, you know, it happens. This yeah, stuff it, happens. So it'd be the equivalent you can't of like, like, go charging someone for damaging your car. You just, you have to be insured yourself. And yeah. Your insurance pays for the damage to your car that it's sustained yeah. in the track. It's it's you know you wouldn't have a footballer get injured in a game and be like oh well that that team's player caused the injury so you're gonna have to pay for the medical bills like mm, I mean no but, you, but it depends f- I mean football's the wrong spot yeah no, 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 let's, 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 don't, yeah don't get that, <laughs> that rabbit hole fair <laughs> oh should we do the last one next one yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last one for this week uh, Brizzle McLaren says does anyone else find the honesty levels of Danny Rick and Lando a little odd regarding the car's performance uh, Danny Rick spoke about small upgrades with um, and with a little bit more optimism Lando was saying that there were none and the cars are really only changing because of the track um, there did seem to be a difference in the two drivers post race didn't mm, there Maybe this is that they're missing. It was Charlotte, wasn't it? They're they're, they're like immediate immediate <laughs> aid. I don't know what they refer to them as, but yeah, she basically kept them in line and made <laughs> sure they were saying the right things at the right times. And I, yeah, I mean the the other thing could be is like it could just be a case of 
Ricardo's maybe had a bit of an upgrade in some department that Lando's not. So <laughs> what they're both saying is truthful. Like Ricardo mm. said, yeah, I've had a couple of upgrades, but they're modest. And Lando's saying, I haven't had any upgrades to my car. It's it's just that the track suited it today. Like, this, just because they've said different things it doesn't necessarily mean one's lying or one's wrong. Like, it could just be a case of taken in the wrong context it seems that way but in the in a different context it's that one car's had some updates to try and improve it and the other hasn't yeah. yet yeah that's like, what it is it's i think the start of the season you know you're limited on what you can produce and, and yeah. how many upgrades you can got where you can put them and how many you can and put especially them sending car. them out to australia as well on, yeah. on top of that so yeah. danny rick's home race yes yeah. in the season there you go yeah you're going to give him the upgrades aren't you could also just be oh. a case of like the direction the car's going in has suited Danny Rick a bit more yeah. and not so much Lando. Yeah. Like it could be as simple as that. Yeah. Who knows? Um, well. I'm sorry, I'm just noticing the bomb that Jeff has dropped in Discord <laughs> uh, of Danny Rick is now the most overrated driver after <laughs> taking the mantle from Charles Leclerc, Stu. Well, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's, let's clear something up here. <laughs> Now, yes, I have accused Charles Leclerc of being overrated in the past, but I've only I've only ever said it with my tongue near to my cheek at best. Like I've always had like a you know I know he's a good driver. I know he's a really good driver. I think it's fair to say that in the last couple of years leading up to this season. Charles Leclerc was not the driver we all expected him to be. He wasn't beating his teammate. He wasn't as fast as what he should have been. Um, but this year, he has absolutely turned it on. Um, he's the best driver on the grid at the moment. That's that's clear from the last three races. He's absolutely nailing it. And yeah, he's living up. He's finally living up to the hype. But I do think it's fair to say that over the last couple of years, and, it, and I think it's fair of him not to have been living up to the hype because he's not had the car to do the job. He's he's now got the car that can do the job and he's doing what all great drivers do, which is raising his game to match that car and go for that world championship. And he has my full support for going for it. I, I would yeah. love to see Charles Leclerc win a championship this year. I I think the thing as well to remember is that the the lull that he had that you're talking about and like kind of where that leads like that kind of opinion to come from is how good he was in Formula 2 and then how good he was when he first got into the Alpha when he first came to F1 he like kind of set himself a standard mm-hmm. and I I'd agree that to be fair in terms of his like week on week performance he probably wasn't up to that standard that he he'd basically preset himself by his previous performances in other cars and other series. But it's a 50-50, isn't it? It's like part of it's him, part of it's the car. And now things are kind of coming back together again. And he's proving that pedigree that, I mean, me and Chris raved about his, what he was potentially going to be able to do in F1 once he got here, didn't we? Like before. Yeah, we all did. All three when, when it, did yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember if you did or not. I just know me and Chris were like, really excited about the fact he was moving from F2 to F1 when he did and like the potential that he had and he's he's kind of finally come full circle again and to be fair those years where it's been a little bit more difficult for him probably help him mature into um what he is going to be now as a driver hopefully yeah. like in terms of being able to play the long game like he has against um, Max in these like DRS battles and stuff, a hot-headed younger version of Charles might not have been so 
cool in those situations potentially and potentially, he, the, the extra time think, that he's had I would say Charles Leclerc has always been a way cooler customer than Max Verstappen has oh yeah in, in comparison <laughs> but he's also he's, been very hot headed and just outright fast like he's he's always been way too fast for everyone else in the field and therefore not had to deal with those kind of situations yeah in junior formula i, get I do yeah. and 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 but, it, but his timing for at ferrari's kind of allowed him to go through that and i mean you've seen it where people like sort of poke fun at the fact that he's he's had incidents before and i mean Stu, you were saying like you weren't sure how well you rated him in wheel-to-wheel combat but i think the mistakes that he's made by being forced into that situation by the quality of the ferrari in the last couple of seasons has kind of brought the best out of him and he's learned from that and he's now taking that into a championship winning car potentially and using what he's learned from his previous mistakes do you see where do you see where i'm trying to get he was in yeah he was in the chrysalis of the midfield (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and he's he's now awakened and become a beautiful butterfly of Formula One, and he's <laughs> yeah. fluttering around um, the front of the grid. I do wonder, given how spicy things got between him and Vettel when they were both at Ferrari, whether things will be different if he finds himself fighting with Sainz rather than Verstappen. I don't think it'll be any different. I think it'll be exactly the same. I think it'll, it'll get hectic. That's it. I can see that team getting really hectic towards, yeah. let's say, Hungary. If Sainz starts to sort of pick things up and get back on pace, yeah. could get, yeah, could end up being their own worst enemies. But so over the let, let's end, let's let's sort of like round this off here. Then who out of the the two Ferrari drivers has impressed you the most in their time in Formula One? Oh, overall, yeah. Oh, that's difficult. I th- um, I think I think that. Sa- Science has always overperformed yeah. his expectations, outperformed his expectations, should I yeah. say, sorry. And Charles has kind of been a bit of a long maybe, way maybe either side. Maybe not quite lived up to the hype, kind mm-hmm. of, potentially. But both. I think there's, like when he jumped into F1, he outperformed what I expected him to do in the Alpha. But then there was times when he's been at Ferrari where he's like underperformed and hence yeah. leading to the most overrated driver title that you awarded him to but like he's sort of he's feast or famine a little bit with Leclerc like he's either way above where you'd expect or uh, too far below it yeah science science is sort of this is the first season where I've genuinely looked at science and gone oh he's not he's not doing what he needs to be doing yet Mm. like and Mm. how long has he been in the sport must be pushing 10 years he's been he's been around a long time now science He's been Think a, he's a all, bit of a journeyman, isn't he? Yeah, he's been around yeah, a while. Yeah, a couple years at McLaren, I mean, a couple years at Renault, yeah. a couple at Toro Rosso, 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 Rosso yeah. before that. Like before He's been, been around a long six, time. Probably and eight the, years. And this is the first time I've ever gone no. like, oh, this is not a good time for science right now. So that that's that's the perspective, I guess. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he's very contextual. You know, I, like, this episode, I'm going to listen to this episode again in like, the summertime, <laughs> no, in the in, in the during the summer break, I'm going to come back to this episode and actually listen to it and see how wrong we are about all the crap we're I mean, talking right now. We're always wrong about everything. <laughs> I know. The, yeah, the it's fact true. that people still listen to us is probably more just to to take the mick out of us when we are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that we've made a lot of statements today that are either going to age really badly or really, really well. So yeah. yeah. 
I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm really excited for the rest of the season. I'm really excited to see where Sainz is going to end up in this battle with uh, Leclerc. Um, I yeah. do. I think when he's when he finally switches it on, I think it is going to get super spice because he I was hope the he better can... driver of the two last year. Yeah, I hope he can get in the mix. I really do. Yeah, I want I want him to be picking up at least a couple of wins this yeah. season. He, he needs at a least. he needs a good clean race weekend in Imola. Yeah. That's what he needs. Yeah, really if he can if he can get yeah. that and pick up a win, I think he'd be right back in it. And I feel yeah. like he's done pretty well at Imola the last couple of years. So, yeah, mm. yeah, and then heading into like Catalonia home race for him, get a result yep. there. Like he's co- his confidence suddenly swings, doesn't it? Exactly. Like a home race for for, for Ferrari and a home race for him, getting good points and maybe even potentially wins. That's that's where his just... confidence can suddenly swing, and it's a completely different story again, isn't it? Yeah, so. exactly. It's exciting. Yeah. It's such a great season so far. Yeah, brilliant. Really enjoying it. So much potential. 2015 was his debut just out of interest so this is his oh, eighth there you go. season now eighth yeah. ah yes I said eight I was wrong right. yeah so yeah there you go nice one right well that's a nice little stat to round yeah. off on <laughs> so um, thank you to everyone who has joined us uh, we will be back next week to look ahead to um, a sprint re- weekend in Imola so lots to, to discuss there uh, but in the meantime Enjoy your week and we will see you then. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. So science is winning the championship then, yeah. <laughs> Toots. There's gonna be stroll after our uh, Oh my god. Our record. <laughs> Imagine I, I honestly genuinely can't wait to listen to Imagine Aston Martin turn for Barcelona with just like the upgrade to end all upgrades. <laughs> yeah. Dominate the rest of the season.